Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Pastor Mark, what is self-control? What's it actually look like? Here it is. When offended or criticized, the Holy Spirit helps us not to react with hateful words. See, when I'm hurt by somebody's words, I won't get even. You know what that means. It means sometimes simply not saying anything. I can't do that by myself. I have to have the Holy Spirit help me. Today, Pastor Mark will cover a lot of ground. He says it's important that if we call ourselves Christians, we must be careful with what we say and how we say it. Some situations make it difficult to remain gracious, and that's when it's best to just keep silent. James 1.26 says, If you think you're a believer but can't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself. God designed our mouths to speak truth and help others do life right. So when you're tempted to be critical or just want to complain, consider this. Do you want to reap the consequences of life or death? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 3, verse 7, with his continuing study entitled, Controlling Our Tongues. Let us hear your lessons Many of you come from churches where you saw words destroy the church, split it. God's protected us so much in 22 years. We've never had that. Thank you, Jesus. Understand, the source of this evil is from Satan and hell itself. Now, that shouldn't surprise us. The danger of Satan's influence on our words. He's come to steal kill and destroy and the easiest way to do that is with our words think about his first interaction with eve in the garden what did satan do he lied god has not said the power of those words caused death to you and me because it separated us from a holy god exactly as it did for eve exactly as it did for Adam. You see, those words are put there by Satan for a purpose. God came to give us life, life-giving words. Satan wants us to use our words to cause death. Now, there was a story of a man who gossiped about a neighbor, small town, but then discovered a few days later after all the gossip that it was not true. The word quickly had already spread around the town The truth was out. It was too late, but it wasn't truth. So the man went to his pastor for help. 
And the pastor said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a big bag of feathers, and I want you to go to wherever you think that false story went, and I want you to place it on the doorstep. Well, of course, he knew some, he told, but then he'd have to go to them and say, who did you tell? Because that's what happens. And he found as many as he could, so he put all those feathers out on those doorsteps, and he was instructed by the pastor to go back the next day then and pick up all of those feathers and bring them back, and he would tell them the story and how the illustration would work in his life. Well, the man obeyed, went to all those places, left the feathers there. Next morning, he got up. He went to all the places where he left the feathers, and they'd all blown away. He went back to the pastor And the pastor said, this is exactly what happens with gossip and slander and our careless words. Once these words are out of our mouth, we rarely can get them back. We can't find them anymore. We can be forgiven, but the damage is usually not repairable. See, that's the danger. There isn't a person listening to me this morning that doesn't wish we could take back some words we said to our children our spouses, our friends, even our pastors and teachers. Facebook is good for that now. It spreads quickly. You see, just a few words can destroy a relationship that took years to build. Whose goal is that? Satan. Words from hell. So our tongues can be grace, an instrument of grace and life and blessing, Or our tongues can serve as a divisive instrument of evil. Which will it be? Which will it be? Now, the next section is about the difficulty of taming our tongue. Look at verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. Now, James never went to SeaWorld, but we understand the principle. How many of you still like going to SeaWorld? And I know it's not politically correct. Whatever. I, I like to see Shamu and all that jazz. I mean, that's, that's wonderful to see all of that. And, and so we understand this morning, we, we love to train birds. We love to train our dogs. We love our, well, we, we watch as cats train us. <laughs> Amen. I heard somebody say, cats are from hell. I mean, Satan's a roaring lion. It's just a big cat. Okay, now let's move on from that quickly. I I know I'll get emails from that, but hallelujah. I got the newspaper yesterday, and the headline front page is this, how smart is your dog? So it goes to the article, and it says that dogs have great potential to learn words. Now, It says the average dog can learn 165 words. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many have a less than average dog? 165 words? My dog knows like two, out and treat. How about yours? 165 words. Maybe that says something about the trainer. Let's not even go there. Okay. Now, here, here's the, the world's so-called smartest dog. Knows, he knows 1,000 words. That's better than me. <laughs> A thousand words. Now, that James says we're able to do that with animals. 
Amazing. Wonderful. But look at verse 8. But no man can tame his tongue. It is a restless evil, watch this, full of deadly poison. Would you write this down this morning? No person without God's help can tame their own tongue. James is reminding us it's impossible for you. I could train my dog. I could train my cat, my bird. I cannot tame my tongue. I can't train my tongue to say the right things. I need God's help. You see, in fact, notice what James says. Words are like venom from a poisonous snake. That words that, that venom that hurts and kills, and it kills love, it kills respect, it kills unity, it kills happiness. Let me read to you Psalm 140, Old Testament. Notice what David says. Their tongues sting like a snake. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. Granted, you and I will never have perfect control of our words, our tongues. But I have, and you have, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit living within us. He empowers us to be fruitful. Bearing fruit is a natural outgrowth of God in me, John 15. It isn't because I try harder. It's because I just abide in him. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is going to have great relevance to us as far as God using that to help me tame my tongue. Take a look here. We start with the first part. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those things will be in my life as a Christian. Here's one I want to stop at for a moment. Patience. Does patience have anything to do? Does patience have anything to do with my words? <laughs> Say yes. You already know it does. If I lose patience, do I have a problem with my mouth? Say yes. My wife and I were shopping. We were in a line. How many, when you get in a line at a store, always get in the wrong line? Let me see your hand. Thank you very much. I feel better. Well, we're in this line, and we're two behind, and uh, the guy in front of me is waiting, and, and the cashier's there, and I look up, and the cashier's gone. <laughs> For like four or five minutes, she's, she's gone. And I looked at another line over here, and I said to my wife, here we go again. I should have been in that line. But as I stayed there longer, I discovered, thank you, Jesus, I'm in this line. Because this lady had got her, she had a long line behind her. She got all her groceries taken care of. And she's now found in her purse her calculator. And she's standing there while all these people are And she's trying to figure out if she has enough cash or she should write a check. So she's adding everything up, doing her checkbook in line before she checks out. Now, do you think anybody behind her had trouble with their mouth? <laughs> oh, they may not have said it, but what's going on, baby? She finally figured out she had to write a check. So you know what happened next? I watched her. She had to find it in this deep thing that she couldn't. I mean, I don't know where she. She's in there all over. And these people, are, if that was you, I'm sorry, but do something different. Would you? I mean, I don't know. Glad you're in church today. Praise God. Uh, by the time all that got through, the gal came back and we just moved out. So see what I'm trying to say to you this morning? Yeah, we can lose patience and that affects our mouth. 
But if we have patience, then that's going to help me to control my what? My tongue and my words. Now, as you begin to look at that, I mean, here's what I want you to write. Let me finish it. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Here's the one I want you to write. Self-control. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Since I have the Holy Spirit in me, and that self-control means I can master my passions, my impatience, my appetites. Now, really, self-control is an oxymoron because I cannot master my own sinful passions. But when we become Christ followers, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our life and we begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. It's only by God's ability living in me that enables me to say, no, I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to say that. No to my sin nature and have that self-control. By submitting our hearts and allowing the Holy Spirit to control our heart, then the power of God, I can use words that build up rather than tear down. See, it's God that can tame and control my mouth, not me. I have to work with him. Now, you say, oh, Pastor Mark, what does self-control actually look like? It doesn't look like this. I just had to get it off my chest. That's not self-control. How about this one? I just had to give them a piece of my mind. Some of you have given too many pieces of your mind, and there's nothing left. I think that lady was one. I actually do. She's, she's gave people, people reminded her there's nothing left. Be careful. That is not self-control, giving a piece of my mind. Who wants a piece of your mind? I don't want a piece of your mind. So, well, Pastor Mark, what is self-control? What's it actually look like? Here it is. When offended or criticized, the Holy Spirit helps us not to react with hateful words. See, when I'm hurt by somebody's words, I won't get even. You know what that means. It means sometimes simply not saying anything. I can't do that by myself. I have to have the Holy Spirit help me. Look at this next verse. Huge. Those who control their tongue with God's help will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. We understand that truth personally. Now, last we come to this huge area that, well, it confuses unbelievers. It's a picture of hypocrisy and inconsistencies in our lives. It's using our tongues to praise God and then curse other people. It's using our tongues for good and then for evil. Let's begin with verse 9. Watch this. With the tongue, circle these next two words, we praise. That's what we did this morning. With our tongue, we praise. We were made to do this. We praise our Lord and Father, and yet with it, we then curse men who have been made in the very likeness of God. Then James kind of gives us his application. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, CCM and all the campuses, this should 
not be? Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Obviously, the answer is no. So would you write this? Here's another illustration from James. The tongue is like a spring. Will the water be fresh or salty? It it can't be both. Something's wrong with the source. And where's the source? It's the heart. It's the heart. Now, some of you know, I know at all the campuses here in Melbourne and Vieira and Sebastian, you guys, I know you're saying Petromark. No, no Christ follower really praises God, then turns around and curses a person, do they? Say yes. yes. Say, Pastor Mark, we've all been there. In a few moments, you're going to be leaving the service. Some of you have been cursing already because it's not over. I know, you haven't said it to me, but I've heard it through the Spirit. No, I'm just kidding. Look, I'm not over yet. Relax. You're going to leave the service today. What have we been doing today? Amazing singing and praising who? God. Just amazing. A lot of the songs were about praise. The minute you get out in the parking lot at any of our campuses, it's been a great morning. You've been praising God. You get in that car and head down that lane, that person cuts you right off. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Maybe not. And the kid in the back seat says, Dad, what was that? Oh. Salt? Fresh. Pretty easy to happen. At work, the person you've been witnessing to, somebody comes in, you lose it. They go, really? You, you, you call yourself... Often they never say it to us. We already know what the problem is. It's difficult. You see, all of us can complain and gripe and then the next breath, praise God. Out of the same mouth comes blessing, complaints, griping, fussing. Look at James 3, 11 and 12. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You see, these inconsistencies just show us that we all stumble. When we begin to understand what God's trying to do to our life, it comes to a point How I can make my heart be right comes to my mind. And let me show you this principle. You know it, but sometimes we don't carry it far enough. Here it is. For as a person thinks in their heart, so they become. We know this first part of the sentence. What we think, we become. What we think, we become. So I have to have right belief to be the right kind of person. So what we think, we become. But here's the part I want you to add this morning to all our campuses. And what we think in our hearts, aha, we speak. So how can I think right? Well, here's, I'll go back to my illustration. Here's how I can think right. If I'm a Christian, I know that all things eventually work together for what? Good. Is there going to be crud in life? 
Yes, there is. Is there going to be hurt things in life? Yes. Do bad things happen to good people? Constantly. But all things will eventually work to good. Now, when you think about that, the Bible tells us, how can I think? The only way I can think right, Romans 12 says, is to renew the Word of God. It's renew my mind through the Word of God. You see, people want to know, what is God thinking? Here's what God thinks. It's just his words to you. God never speaks to me. Well, open the Bible. He will. By the way, for the last hour, God's spoken to you personally, right from the living Word of God. And he speaks to me from it. So that's what I have to do. I have to go and renew my mind. So when I think about that, I have to reject wrong thinking. It's lies from Satan. So what do I think about? I want you to practice between each other, thinking positive. Instead of being critical and negative, nasty things coming out of our mouth, or always complaining, whatever. And, and I'm going to ask you in your, in your marriages, kind of give it one of these when, when you're doing things not right, and that'll remind us. Now, some guy walked out here last night, and I walked out with him, he says, thanks a lot, I sold ribs all week. I know I will. <laughs> well, he's already complaining. I didn't say anything, but I could have. Uh, so wh- how should I think? Watch this. Paul tells us in Philippians, look at Here's from the message translation. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. Some of us were always, were always fussing about the worst. <laughs> Negative, critical. Look at that. He says, cut it out. God is good. We're going to go to heaven. I mean, it doesn't get any better. He'll get you through. He who started that in you, he's going to finish it. Then he goes on. Not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not to curse. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. But that's the way our mind changes. I heard somebody say this. Listen, somebody has said, take care of your thoughts when you're alone. Take care of your thoughts when you're alone. Take care of your words when you're with people. Ooh, that's gold. Take care of your thoughts when you're alone. And take care of your words when you're with people. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us catch ourselves when we start to complain or say something negative. Let's challenge each other to be more positive and uplifting in our hearts and our minds. When our minds head off to the negative, soon our tongues will spew out this negative stuff. Let's focus on God, his praise, his goodness. We were created to praise God. And I want to end with one simple little verse this morning to challenge us. This homework is real homework. I'm going to be practicing it this week. You practice it this week. Here's the word I want to leave us with. Proverbs 12, 25. A word of encouragement. A word of encouragement does wonders. Today, Pastor Mark delivered an important message on the power of our words. What we say can either build up or tear down, encourage or discourage, refresh or pollute. He reminded us that every time we open our mouths, out comes life or death. All of us have said things we regret, but before you wish you could take them back, you need to remember to think before you speak. Will these words bring glory to God? Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will ask, Did you know that God's vision for the lost is that none should perish? There is life in our words, but there can also be death. Be sure to tune in next time on Lessons for Living to hear Pastor Mark share with us the importance of communicating correctly. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can learn to carry out God's vision for the world through prayer and learning how to effectively share your testimony with others. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons